When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Monday afternoon. They'll do T, Texas Longhorns. Snuck out a victory. We're trying to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, but came back and won the game. We're able to get a big win against Kansas State. Keep their hopes alive for a Big 12 championship. Maybe not anything else, but a Big 12 championship. The hopes are alive. Texas basketball tips off tonight. Against Incarnate Word down at the Moody Center. We'll give you a preview of some Texas basketball names to know, what to look forward to, get you ready for the season to start for Texas basketball. Also, the Cowboys lose a nail-biter to the Eagles. Texans can win a nail-biter against the Buccaneers. All of that and, of course, your text coming up on the show today. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. Uh, I will be lovely uh, talking to you guys, uh, getting reactions on a Monday after a not great performance for some of that game. A really good performance for some and not great. Uh, if you've got a takes on the game and any takes you want to put on the text line, we try to get to everybody's text during the show. Uh, if you have takes about that, if you have any, if you are prepared for Texas basketball, any questions, any takes, any of that, uh, we'll get into that in the segment two about five thirty. Uh, and uh, you know, once we'll six o'clock, we'll get into some NFL as well, so you can get your Cowboys takes out. And I know somebody will hate Dak. I I may not. I mean, we'll see where I'm at, but uh, we get all your takes in, put them all up there, and of course, we'll have the big fat poll coming up about five twenty as well. Let's get into it, though. Uh, I apologize if my voice sounds off at all. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I tried to I tried to be a good boy this weekend, and this is what it gets me. Not going out and, and hanging out with people and apparently staying at home was worse for me than going out. And now I'm, I'm back to I'm nasally. In a, you know, so I apologize for it, but we're going to get through the show today, and hopefully we'll be better tomorrow and uh, keep on rolling. Through. So uh, let's get to some Sark audio. Sark spoke to the media today. Uh, after the K-State game, you know, there is some coach speak in this. You're always going to have some coach speak after a a close game like that. You know, there's going to be some things where he can't say certain things. So I'll, I'll prepare you up front 
that there will be some coach speak in this. There's going to be some things you may disagree with. We'll try and break down as much as we can. Uh, let's start off with his opening statement, kind of recapping the game for K-State. Uh, what he saw, and, uh, you know, let's see how far he goes in this uh, statement against, uh, the opening statement against, uh, talking about the game against K-State. Just to recap the last ball game with, with K-State, uh, going back and watching the tape, I was thoroughly impressed with the physicality in which we played that game. Um, and we knew going up against that physical of an opponent, uh, their ability to run the football, their ability to stop the run uh, was going to be a huge component to the game. And for us to come out and rush for, uh, I think, a little over 230 yards against the top rush defense in our league and then to turn around and hold them to 33 yards rushing, I think had a huge impact on the game. And I would say for our team, we really played good football the majority of the game. And uh, the, the hard part to, to, to look at when you watch the game and then you see the momentum swings in the game um, you know, the three turnovers, the block punt, the turnover on downs, that's basically five times we gave them the ball. Um, and four of those five were with a short field. And, and that, that, that created momentum. And then two of the touchdowns they score, um, the first one there, um, we have two missed tackles by very reliable players, that, which was uncharacteristic. Uh, and then on the sudden change after the turnover, the post for the touchdown where we, where we blow the coverage, which, again, uncharacteristics. Kind of those seven plays, when you think about football, kind of all of a sudden the mentality is that's how the game went. When in reality, the majority of those other plays, we played really good football. Um, and so the key for us is to minimize these self-inflicted wounds, um, which, can, which can ultimately change the game. Because you know, when, when you think about they scored 20 points in four plays, and I think in about two and a half minutes came off the clock, right? It was, and, and how quickly that game turned and changed that way. So uh, I, I do think there was a lot of positives in the game. Uh, I thought our defensive line was absolutely dominant in the game. Um, and it was really across the board from, you know, I think we we're all pretty clear of what Sweat and Murphy are doing inside, but Ethan Burke having him back, Baron Sorrell, great games. And so the, the defensive front was fantastic. Um, I think AD, uh, fantastic game at wide receiver. I think he helped us get some momentum back there uh, in the fourth quarter on that drive and, and it continues to make plays. I think Xavier in the punt return game is really showing up again. Uh, his ability to flip the field for us is just another added weapon uh so let's look at the positives first let's take our positives and let's look at what things we can say texas guys going for them well first of all you're still a one loss team that's a win a win is a win you need those wins as far as national championship that you know let's not even talk about this week none of the teams you need in front of you lost so at that point we can't really talk too much about that the Big 12 championship, though, you're still firmly in your sights. That was the goal at the beginning of the season. You'd hope, we're hoping for a miracle to have some other teams lose in front of you and you show out against you know the rest of the three teams and don't have any more of these close ones and who knows what can happen. Go into the Big 12 championship game, perform well there too. Who knows what can happen? But that's kind of out of your control at this point. The Big 12 championship is in your control. So that's a positive. You're still headed there. You're still headed for a one-loss season, which any of us would have been thrilled about at the beginning of the season. We would have been upset that you lost to Oklahoma, would have been upset that you you, you know, didn't get a play in the college football playoff, but that's, you know, that is what it is. 
So that's a positive. The positive is that culture has changed enough at this team that they are sticking together. They are able to change momentum back in their favor to win these games. Just enough to win these games. They have that ability now that they didn't have the last few years. They haven't had in past years either where the ability to stick it out, change momentum back. Because one of the things Sark does sometimes is go for it on big plays or try and make try and make game-defining moves that would change momentum and put momentum fully in their favor and Texas goes away with it and the momentum starts to shift. And he has a hard time getting momentum back, but he's done it now in multiple games this season, been able to get the momentum shift right back in the right place. Michael Taft getting another interception there. Those kind of plays, you know, those just happen in the game. And we can say the Jonathan Brooks fumble, it was really a big play. I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for Malik, too. Don't get me wrong. But you know, that was one where is you're just fighting for extra yards when you're getting hit around the line of scrimmage and you're fighting for everything you can get and, you know, you, you let one go. Uh, it's unfortunate, but especially coming right uh, after an interception, you just can't have that. But the momentum shift goes completely. Momentum shifts so heavily to Kansas State. It's impressive that Texas was able to find themselves, center themselves, and get back into it. Now, on the other side of this, and we, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give another good one. The defense for Texas, yes, the defense did something that, again, is, is a Sark taking your foot off the gas move, which I can't stand because he was the all-gas, no-breaks guy. The defense, other than one drive, played very, very well. Other than one drive, where they basically slipped back, took away creating any pressure, just sat back, gave a lot of room for every catch, and I don't want to call it a prevent defense because it was in the third quarter, so I can't imagine it was a prevent defense, and it's not really a prevent defense, but it kind of is. That kind of half-prevent defense that Texas slips into to not let anything over the top, and everyone knows it. Everyone's seen the playbook now. That Everyone knows that Texas has this, this series of this defense where when they start to line up back off you and they're not rushing anybody, just sit in the pocket Pick across your guys, and as good a game as Murphy and Sweat can have, creating interior pressure, if you're rushing four on five over and over again, and you're allowing 10-yard passes that are taking three or four seconds, there's not a ton they can do. You have to create more pressure, and when they take their foot off the gas, that's when TC or that's when K-State started to change momentum, and when they started to change momentum. The other issue that we saw that was not great was Malik Murphy looked very much like a guy playing in his second game. And part of the issue might be how Sark is practicing with Malik Murphy this week. Now, it's going to change a little bit, and we can get into that too. But if you want to look at the number that, to me, the numbers that really make me kind of wonder about how the practices are going, is that Murphy was 11 for 15. He was 73% before his first interception. That's also around the mark of where the play-calling script would end. So that's around the mark of when Malik Murphy would have not been going through that and having a direct walkthrough of the plays and really had drilled in those first plays in the you know in the scripting and really kind of knowing more of what he was going to be doing. He was really good in that. When they had extra practice on it, when there was extra plays, when it was designed before the game for Malik Murphy, and those were plays he liked to get him in a rhythm. He was really good. 11 for 15, 73% on passing before that interception. After the, after the interception, 
And after you get through and when you start just kind of calling plays, he's 8 for 21. That's 38%. Now, even if you want to say there was some, you know, there's a Jontae Cook, the second reception, was it Jontae Cook falling over? He can't help that. That's not really his fault. Uh, there was a couple plays you could have called pass interference on. Uh, so I'll give him. So I'll say 8 for 18 in, in, after that play. That's still not where you want him to be. And especially when you're trying to get him active. So something has to change going into the TCU game because you cannot allow that the the difference in starting starting and knowing the plays and knowing what's going to happen in the practice on those plays to have him uh, or the play calls or whatever you want to make it that he's that good and looks like a guy who could make a quarterback competition to a guy who makes it look like there's a quarterback competition with Arch. He started quarterback competition with Quinn, ended quarterback competition with Arch. That right there is something Sark's going to have to figure out going into TCU. The good news is that you were able to leave him in there. He was able to get a win. So going forward, there is the confidence level with Malik Murphy. There is a confidence level uh, that he is not necessarily thinking, I got pulled out of the game. I cost him a game. That's not there. Speaking of all that, though, let's give the Ewers injury update from Sark just to get you a little bit of an idea of where the quarterback position is for Texas right now. Yeah, so uh, Quinn, uh, like I said, he, he started to throw a little bit last week. Um, he threw again today. Um, to me, it's more day-to-day at this point, you know, where a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, it was kind of week-to-week. Uh, today's more day-to-day, um, and I got to, you know, I have to continue to see how he feels. You know, ultimately, this is a, how does he feel? You know, I, I can't, you know, the, he, the doctors, what does it feel like? Where is he at? Um I can give my assessment on the capability to operate our offense, but ultimately, how does he feel? And so we'll navigate this week. And so that's the Ewers update. So we're day-to-day. It means he could play at TCU, but we'll, we won't really know anymore on Thursday. Uh, I'm sure he'll be asked one of the first questions is who's the starting quarterback on Thursday. Uh, but that gives you a little bit more. Now, hopefully – in practice, that means Malik Murphy can then go in and they're able to start working on him on his footwork and his concentration and his discipline because it's really not that I don't believe Malik Murphy can make those throws. It's not that I believe that he got that he you know wasn't able to do them. I think he went to to uh, just a mode that a lot of athletes get into and a lot of very high-level athletes get into, which is I'm comfortable doing this. Quinn Ewers did it last year. He was comfortable doing it. And we know that is we, we call it now the Patrick Mahomes of, well, he can do whatever he wants and it still works, but it's that comfort level. You have to train that out of them. It took an offseason for Quinn. So I don't know if this is going to be able to be fixed this season, but you're hoping that that is not going to be the biggest issue. Now, on the flip of that, no matter what you're doing there, you're going to be able to get the offense going. Uh, Jonathan Brooks had another good game other than the, uh, the fumble. So you're going to have to get that defense stepping up to another level as well. And the defense right now has been dominating on interior pressure. Your defense is so built around Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy coming up the middle, creating that interior pressure, trying to kill a pocket and push guys out. Now, in this game, you were trying to stop the run a lot because you thought they'd run. This was the le- the lowest number of rushing yards that K-State's been held to in years and years. 
it was a great job what the, the defense did against the run game, but K-State understood what the assignment was. They understood they weren't going to be able to get those runs. They tried some early, and they just went to passing, and it worked well enough once Texas laid off of them. And you for Texas, understanding that you're playing against younger, not as great quarterbacks a lot of the time, you need to keep bringing pressure, and I don't know why. Sark is the all-gas, no-breaks coach, and yet every game they get a big lead on, they clearly hit the brakes, or at least take their foot off the gas. Every single game, from a coaching standpoint. Because you're not, as a DB, willing to allow catch after catch. If, if, if you're not being coached that way, and if you're not telling, you're not saying, ah, oh, you know, we're up 28, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to try and make a big risky play. That's not what you, that, that's, those are called plays. So if, if you're Sark and you're all gas, no breaks, and you understand what you need to do, and you understand that you can't against his Big 12 opponents that know what your MO is, why have you continued to do that? That's something you're going to have to look at because the rest of these three games against TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech, you should be able to get a lead in. You should be able to. Now, you know, we will see if this is Malik Week 3, if this is Quinn Ewers coming back, if if Arch Manning makes an appearance. We don't know. But we do know that you should be able to have a defense that holds them well enough if you don't take your foot off the gas defensively. And I think what he's doing is trying to play complimentary football to the offense, let his defense allow a little, you know, try and go underneath, try and, you know, just have a long drive on the defensive end, let the offense take a breath. I think that's more of what it is, that he doesn't mind a few first down pickups, and he just doesn't want a big play over the top. He wants to kind of, you know, let the defense stay. I don't get that, because it clearly hasn't worked. And you clearly keep going back to it. So I don't get it. I don't get it. And I want to play something else just because this is uh, a topic that I've seen put around uh, a lot today. But, you know, we've said before the season. I, I know I said it. I know Aaron Hogan said it. I know Rob Babers said it. And I know some other people that are in the media have said it too. We knew that the, we were not going to be getting calls this season. So you can't ever ask for the calls uh, there were several in this game that looked missed, and so I, I just want to play Sark. This is Sark uh, as well as politically as he can, uh, kind of talking about the no calls in the game. Well, I was, you know, uh, probably visibly frustrated at that moment. Um, in the end, I got the timeout back that they did ultimately uh, review the play, um, and that, you know. Looking at it from their vantage point, I could see maybe where they couldn't see the ball. Uh, it was kind of hidden uh, in there, and Jalen Ford did a heck of a job of, of, of recovering that fumble. Um, it sure seemed like a relatively obvious play to review when you're talking about a potential change of possession. Um, but again, I, that, that's why... From my perspective as a coach, they give us the ability to challenge and to use timeouts to, to ensure that. And so you just try to use the, the tools that are given to you to navigate your way through those things. You know, um, as far as what's called and what's not, I, you know, a couple things I know this. In my opinion, we have the two most dominant defensive interior linemen in the country, uh, and if, if not the country, in our conference. And I'm not sure if they've gotten a holding penalty called on either of them yet this year. So I, I'm not sure how that adds up, 
but I just got to keep getting those guys to play hard and be committed to to trying to affect the game, the run game, the pass game that way. And the same same when we throw the football. I, I mean, I, I I love when I line up and I see one and five out there together. I know they're a problem for our opponents, and so uh, I recognize people are going to do things to try to minimize their effectiveness to the game. Um, and and we're going to take advantage of those opportunities when they're there. If things get called, they get called. If they don't, we just don't have a lot of time to, to, to complain about it. We've got to go on to the next play. And the moment we start getting caught up in that, then it's going to start to affect their play and, and our play to call the things necessary. So, um, you know, it, it's the way it goes. And, and I've said this all along. Like, we need to focus on what we need to do and, and not get caught up in what's getting called and what's not. Can you complain to the league I don't necessarily complain. Um, but what I, do, what I do do every week is I send in plays that, that I think there should have been a call or could this have been called or why wasn't this called and, and they give us information back and then we try to coach off of that and I, th- I do think there's a lot of tools in that to um, kind of teach our players how to effectively not get held or not get you know pass interference or potential pass so that they can play to the best of their ability and and how to avoid those things and so um but but i do send things in because i want to learn too i don't want to be the guy on the sidelines that's just complaining to complain when clearly it is or isn't a foul but um, sometimes things come back and they do agree with me and then i just i'm just hopeful if that same situation gets presented in the future that 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 call goes our way so there's Sark kind of trying to politically say that there was calls in that game. He mentions it about Xavier Worthy, too. Uh, we'll play that sound. But he mentions that Xavier Worthy hasn't got a call in a couple of weeks, and people know it, and they're not going to do anything about it. So, you know, but you knew that going in. Uh, you need to go out there and perform either way. And knowing that, though, it means that you may need to have your play calls, especially if you have a backup quarterback in, not necessarily have him airing the ball out constantly i know you love the deep ball but knowing hey they're probably going to get away with one here it's third down this seems like one they're going to you know the the player may go for a grab or something and they haven't called the last three so maybe we should just keep it a little bit simpler for malik murphy and try and pick up some downs to run the ball well let's not let the refs decide the game by continually throwing the ball that way but that's it's a it's a bad way to have to go through uh playing the game it sucks that you have to maybe correct some play calls because you're not going to get the calls, but you're not going to, and we knew that. So you should already have the game kind of playing that way. Let's get to Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. 512-447-3776 is the text line. It is open. We're going to get to your text some in the next segment, some in the third segment, some in the fourth segment, some in the fifth segment. Uh, we'll keep getting your text. We try to get to everybody here on the show. Uh, big fat poll of the day today. It's an easy one. Because this one is when you saw what Malik Murphy did in the second half. When you saw what Malik Murphy did after he had a great start, but then didn't look great, made some more questionable throws. Sark talked about that. We may play that audio for you later tomorrow. Uh, this is some questionable throws. And how do you train a, a player to not try and save the day? How do you train a player to not do instinctual, I could get away with this in high school kind of plays when you get to the next level? We, we But that's, you know, do you still trust Malik Murphy? Do you want to see an Arch Manning appearance? So the poll of the day, who would you prefer at QB starting against TCU? A not 100% Quinn Ewers, 
So Quinn Ewers, he's clearly back. He says he can play. Sark says he can play. The doctors say he can play. But he's not 100%. So he may not be able to run. He may take a hit and go back down. You know, you may lose him for the rest of the season, but not 100% Quinn Ewers. Blake Murphy, once again, getting his third start, getting another time. It's on the road. Let's see what he can do. Or an Arch Manning. Do you pick Arch Manning and start him in his first start on the road against a team that hates you? And, you know, it's TCU, so it's not like it's, you know, he's not going into Alabama or something like that. He's not going into a 100,000-seat place where everybody's going to be going for his neck. But it is a, a road game that he would have to have his first start in. Who do you prefer? Not 100% Quinn Ewers, Blake Murphy, Arch Manning. Who would you start against TCU if you were the coach? You got to pick it. And I get, I'm saying he's cleared by his word, by Sark's word, and by doctor's words. Quinn Ewers is cleared to play. It's just not 100%. So what, what is your pick? 512 447 3776. Any other takes from the game? We'll get to those coming up. We're going to talk some Texas basketball. If you have any questions about Texas basketball, any takes on Texas basketball going into the going into the season as they start their season at 7 o'clock tonight against Incarnate Word. And uh, in the 6 o'clock hour, we'll get into some Cowboys talk, so you can save those texts or send them in now. Cowboys, Texans, anything of that nature, send that in as well. 512-447-3776. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get into some Texas basketball. Kicks off at 7 o'clock this, tonight on Longhorn Network against Incarnate Word, and we'll be right back on the Horn, 1019 AM till 60, the Horn app at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Sports Complex of the Horn. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out. Because I love you too much, baby. Why can't you see? What you doing to me when you don't believe a word I say? We can't go on together. Back on the sports complex on a Monday afternoon. Musical theme of the week is Veterans. Veterans Day is Saturday. If you get the day off of work, you get the day off on Friday. But we're going to play some uh, some musicians who served and salute to everybody out there who served. Playing some Veterans Day music for you all week long. Some veterans music for you. Uh, let's get to the text line, 512-447-3776. We're going to read some text. We're going to get uh, your uh, opinion on the poll of the day. Who would you start uh, a quarterback against TCU, not 100% Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy starting his third game, not having had some struggles in game two. Starting him another game at TCU, see if he can rebound from it. Or an Arch Manning, do you let him get his first start and try and move on there? We'll get to your text on that. Uh, if you have any other takes you want to put, and then we'll get uh, to a preview of Texas basketball. They take on Incarnate Word tonight to tip off their season, the first regular season game. 
Uh, let's get to the text line, though. This says, uh, Sark gets too cute. If you have a young QB struggling and you are averaging six yards a carry, run the ball. I agree to a point. I think you still do need to pass the ball because once you do that, you're really putting Jonathan Brooks in a worse and worse situation. That's one of the re- That's how you get more fumbles is because the more guys you put around the ball, the more parties at the football, the more guys bounce off of wide receivers. But you should be able to open up enough lanes by running the ball six yards a carry and getting some, you know, some good passes that are don't need to be deep balls, just some slants or other things that could open up because you're running the ball so well. But don't you don't always need to take the big shot. I know, and I know that Jonte Cook deep shot he fell over, so we can't say that that was necessarily uh, the worst play. Uh, Bebo Angel says we need to follow USC and fire defensive coordinator. I do not believe that. I do not believe that at all. PK did not have a terrible game. I don't think it's his necessarily, and it may be. It may be his decision to play loose coverage in the third quarter of a game when you're up. I don't know why you would. That doesn't seem like a defensive player that he's been playing it tough and he's been bringing pressure. It seems like most defensive coaches would want to keep bringing pressure until they were told to pull back on it a little bit. Uh, the the stat that you can't say that is you held Kansas State, who runs on everybody, to 43 yards rushing. Like That's a really good number. Uh, you did allow too much passing. I agree. They found a way to pass over the top because you were – you were at such a good run game. You need to fix the secondary. You need to look on that, but I don't think that's a fire defensive coordinator. Uh, I would not I would not fire him at this point in the season at all. USC is a little bit different because they just had three losses in a row. We we got close to losing a game. I would not fire him at, a, at an eight and one season. That would not be. Uh, Ten penalties caught on Texas, seven on K-State. Seems close enough. It was. It, like, it, it is, but I, I'm not saying... We're, we're saying that there is going to be penalties. There's going to be... It's going to be imbalanced. There is going to be pass interferences that are not called. There's going to be judgment calls that are not called. Now, if it's a out-and-out penalty, then they're usually going to call it. But holds, but pass interferences, those are probably not going to get called as much on you for Texas this season. We knew that going into the season. It is what it is. You can go back and watch it and see that there's a few of those calls that you go back. And now you can go back if you want to and look at K-State. I'm sure they missed one or two there, too. But... I, I'm not saying that the game should have been. The game was not decided on those penalties. By the way, I'm not saying that either. I'm saying you you should be able to. You know, it was decided on interceptions and turnovers and a block punt and and turning the ball over on downs and giving them five extra possessions and giving some of those on their side of the field. That's more what made this a close game. Not the defense. Not it was the offense continually giving the ball to K State and giving them more opportunities. Uh, Mark from Taylor says. Uh, I'll say it again, kick the field goal. I agree with that. I, I'm I'm on the kick the field goal train now. Uh, I know there's games where you may need to go for it, and you know, depending on the moment, but this whole let's be brave and let's be the team that goes for it when you've shown that you're not good enough at it right now, I wouldn't keep doing it. Uh, Texas was not the tougher team. I mean, they were. They were tougher at the line of scrimmage. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides. So they were definitely tougher on the lines of scrimmage because they didn't allow a run game. And they didn't, and they were able to get to quarterback some. They just backed off. And you say, uh, are you saying we give up yards on purpose? Yeah, you give up underneath passes to not allow the big one. I mean, I don't know whether way to phrase that other than if your guy's 10 yards back on a guy who's running a five-yard route, you're giving them yards. That's, I mean, I don't know what else to say. If you're not playing tight, I mean, I get you're trying to not allow something over the top, but you're allowing yards if you're going to say, we're going to sit back and give them underneath then I'm going to say you're giving up yards because you are. And that is not all gas, no breaks. 
And uh, you also say Arch needs uh, at least a series or two. I agree with that. I I get why you don't put an Arch in that game, but also I may have. And especially because Arch is also a dual-threat quarterback, you have an ability to run the ball with Arch a little bit better that Malik Murphy doesn't really have. That's something else that you can kind of throw in there. Uh, so I, I, that one I would like to see Arch get in some just because there's it brings a different dynamic. It makes a defense shift. And then you can bring Malik Murphy back in as well. You don't have to leave him out of the game. And if Arch is killing it, then yeah, then Arch is the guy. But I, I, I don't know why you don't bring him in, you know, in this TCU game, especially if you're doing well. Let's get to uh, some Texas basketball talk uh, before the break, and then we'll get back to your text line, 512-447-3776. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. And I mean that. You guys, I love your text. It means it makes the show roll. So keep sending those in. Uh, poll of the day, who would you prefer starting a quarterback, a not 100% Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, or Arch Manning? So send that in if you got any other takes for Texas basketball, Texas football, or the Dallas Cowboys. We'll begin to that at the top of the hour. Uh, but a little quick preview of some Texas basketball since they do kick off tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, you can watch the game on Longhorn Network. Uh, I, so our starting five projected, we do not know necessarily. Dylan DeSue, uh will not be playing. I believe Caden Shindrick is ready to go tonight. That's everything I've heard. He may sit out, but we believe Caden Shindrick has been cleared. He is ready to go. I'm going to put him in our starting lineup instead of Dylan DeSue. Uh, but I believe the rest of the starting lineup will be Tyrese Hunter, Max A. Smith. Ithiel Horton, I'm going to put in that starting lineup. I don't know. Uh, from reports I've read, that's kind of where I think it's going to go. They're going to go the three-guard lineup again. Ithiel Horton is uh, is big enough to play a little bit more of small forward, uh, that three-guard lineup. Uh, and Dylan Mitchell in there as well. Uh, Dylan Mitchell deciding to come back to Texas. But that's what I'm assuming we will see at 7 o'clock what lineup comes out for the starting lineup. It may shift some throughout the season. There are some guys on the bench who are going to come in and play. Let's go through the guards first for you. Max Asmus is the name to know going in. If you don't know who Max Asmus is, he's a transfer from Oral Roberts. He was averaging over 20 points a game uh, at Oral Roberts. Uh, so he is a name to know. He is a big scorer. He is supposed to replace a lot of scoring for Texas. So coming from Oral Roberts, Max Asmus is the name to know. Spelled A-B-M-A-S, but it's pronounced Asmus. Uh, Ithiel Horton is going to be one of your other guards transferred in from UCF. 12.3 points per game, 3.7 rebounds is what he was getting at UCF. And, of course, Tyrese Hunter, we know from last year, uh, had times where he was dealing with cramps, had times where he was dealing with his three-point accuracy, hopefully an offseason, hopefully another season, where now he is one of the veteran leaders. He was kind of always on Marcus's car's team uh, as far as who was the point guard. This is now Tyrese Hunter's. And I know Max A. Smith is the guy. Uh, they, they want to have a lot of scoring, but now this feels much more like Tyrese, Tyrese Hunter's offense to run, where last season Marcus Carr was such still such a big part of it that I think that kind of took away from what Tyrese Hunter feels in comfort. We will see if he's able to stay on the court, if he is able to step up his offensive production and consistency from the three-point line. If his three-point percentage stays consistently in the, in the mid to high 30s, that is a huge step up to be a spot shooter for a team that's going to go and try and go inside. Uh, some with Dylan Mitchell, some with Dylan DeSue when he gets healthy. Uh, your other point, your other guards coming off the bench are going to be Chindle Weaver, who came from UTSA. He's an energy guy, plays a lot of defense. Uh, he's going to play point guard, going to distribute the ball as well. And Chris Johnson uh, is a rookie or is a freshman, so he may not play a ton 
for Texas. He was a recruit for Kansas that when Arterio Morris transferred to Kansas, he decided that he wasn't going to go there anymore. He was going to go to Texas. Of course, we know, unfortunately, Arterio Morris was let go from the Kansas team uh, for some off-the-court issues. But Chris Johnson is a guy who may get some playing time early in the season uh, because he is a high recruit. So he's somebody that may play some, but I would not imagine he's going to be too much in the rotation unless he shows out in his next level. But we're, that's not what we're assuming yet. And, of course, Gavin Perryman and Jackson Prince are the walk-ons down at the end of the bench. Those are guys that if you see him in the game, you're going to love it. Uh, over at the forward and center position, Dylan Mitchell shot 64% last season. That's something that I don't think a lot of people realize that he would, did not score a lot. I think he averaged about five points per game. But shot about 64%, was making smart decisions, was making the right decisions a lot of times, just didn't have the offensive ability last year and didn't have the offensive confidence. That is what he's been told from people from the NBA. You need to get that offensive confidence up. If you can get a better, if you can learn how to cut better, if you can learn how to shoot threes better, if you can fix that offensive game, you're going to skyrocket up in these draft projections. But you can move up 15 to 20 picks because of your athleticism if you're able to gain to to gain that offensive ability and he just kind of fell behind again he was there was Marcus Carr's team Dylan DeSue was playing so well you had Serge Jabari Rice come in and a lot more veterans Dylan Mitchell another year in the system another year being on this team is going to help him move forward uh D- D- Dylan DeSue is hoping to be back by Big 12 play was going to miss the beginning of the season though we know what he's able to do in that flotation station uh shot we'll see if that comes back as well uh, down the line, you get Brock Cunningham, which, of course, we all know Brock Cunningham uh, coming back for another season, going to be an enforcer, could end up in the starting lineup uh, to play some small minutes up front to bring a little consistency. We'll see uh, Caden Shinrick, the transfer, uh, 4.2 rebounds, 1.5 blocks per game, and he played under 18 minutes a game when he was playing before. So Caden Shinrick is going to be somebody that is really – it's a big thing for him that if he's able to get that defensive presence to allow Dylan Mitchell to play out and play some perimeter D as well and you know not be the only rim protector, Dylan Mitchell kind of got put in that role a lot last year. You're hoping that Shedrick is going to be able to come in and uh, play that role. Uh, off the bench, you're going to have Zerik uh, Onyema. Sorry, Zerik Onyema. Uh, from UTEP, he's energy off the bench, another guy like that. Alex Anamekwe, uh only played in 12 games last season, always seemed like he had a lot of hope. We'll see if he gets in the rotation all this season. He's going to need to step up his game, though. Uh, he's a good young player. You just got to keep progressing and be able to play at the speed of college basketball. He just hasn't quite been able to play at that speed defensively and offensively and really feel comfortable in a game yet. But we'll see him probably play some more minutes early before a Big 12 play to see where his rotation is going to be. Uh, and then Devin Pryor is a freshman, big recruit, probably going to redshirt. He basically uh, reclassified as 2023 to get to UT, but will most likely redshirt. Colbot and Preston Clark are your walk-ons down at the end of the bench. If you see Gavin Perryman, Jackson Prince, Colbot, and Preston Clark in a game, it is usually a good sign for Texas. Uh, some big games to look forward to this season. Uh, your first ones are going to be the Empire Classic. It's happening November 19th and 20th. Uh, they're going to play Louisville up front, and then they will play the winner of UConn or Indiana, or the loser, or whatever you play. But UConn or Indiana, UConn, of course, great team. Indiana, always a good team. So you're going to get a big uh, challenge then. December 6th, you go up and play 
at Marquette against Shaka Smart will be a fun game for Texas to go play for the staff, for all the people that were there for Shaka. But it, Marquette looks really good this year, and Shaka's going to want to win that one. So that's a big one. Uh, December 16th, LSU in Houston. And Big 12 begins on January 6th with a game against Texas Tech. That one will be crazy. So that is some big games to look for. And let's look at some questions before we get to the break. These are kind of the storylines to watch for for Texas basketball this season. If you want to kind of keep up with what's going on when you're watching, when you're watching highlights or whether you're watching the games, whatever you're doing, uh, you want to look at how long it's going to take this team to gel. You really want to be able to look at this Texas team and see, you know, kind of all the new players. Tyrese Hunter now being the main point guard. What's Max Acemas? Is he going to feel, fit into this lineup? How is his passing? How does he feel about being the guy to command a shot and to pick his shots? Uh, with Ithiel Horton coming in, playing on a team where he is not now the main guy, he's slipping back. How long did it take him to adjust to that role? Dylan Mitchell, is he able to progress uh, and find his role? Uh, Dylan DeSue, when he gets healthy, but Shedrick or whoever else is in there, kind of seeing the newer guys, how they gel with this team. Uh, we'll look at Cal- Dylan Mitchell. We just mentioned, can he progress this season? Can he step up and be an elite player in college basketball this season? We saw so much potential. We saw moments where he really stepped up. We said he shot 63%, 64% last season. So when we say he can shoot at that high level or score at that level where it's dunks and layups and make the right decisions, can he transform that into shooting you know, 60% from the field and now 30, 35% from three-point land? Can he get more shots? Can he bump his average up to double digits and still play a high level of defense? The storyline of Dylan DeSue is going to be longstanding. It's foot injuries. Foot injuries with big guys are always an issue. So go ahead and just kind of keep an eye. Every time Rodney Terry is going to talk to the media, they're probably going to ask him. When is Dylan DeSue coming back? He is a big part of what this team wants to do later in the season. They're not going to rush him back, but Big 12 plays about that line where you really like to have him because there's some big games. When you play Kansas at Kansas, when you play Houston home and away, those are some big games. Who earns playing time on the bench? We just talked about Chris Johnson. Is he, is he going to get in? Does Chindle Weaver take a lot of time, or does Chindle Weaver slip deck down? Does, uh, does Onyenema, does he get a lot of playing time? Alex Anamekwe, do those guys get in, or who's getting the playing time at the big position? Where is Brock versus Shedrick versus versus uh, uh, Dylan Mitchell? Where are all their playing times? And when DeSue comes back, who gets knocked those minutes? And then finally, can Max A. Smith uh, elevate to the potential of playing D1 school, playing the better Power 5 schools? He was at Oral Roberts, where he was dominating at Oral Roberts. Can you elevate to the competition playing against the Houstons and Kansases and Marquettes? And can you elevate your game and play within the system with with the faster game and all of that? Can you step up to that? That is a big storyline for Texas as well. And we'll see that tonight when he's playing in card at Word. We'll see what he can do against that. But you're going to want to see him continue to dominate against smaller teams so that we know when he gets the bigger ones, he has the confidence to go in there. That was quick. Try to make it painless for you, a little, a little uh, preview of Texas basketball. If you got any more questions or comments or whatever you want to talk about with Texas basketball, send those in. So we're going to keep getting your text throughout the rest of the show, 512-447-3776. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of your text right here on the, on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7 on the Horn.
Back in the sports complex on a Monday afternoon, playing some songs by some men who served, men and women who served, uh, on the sports complex all week long in honor of Veterans Day. Uh, text lines open 512 447 3776 is the text line number. We're asking today, big fat poll of the day, uh, who would you start at quarterback against TCU? A not 100%. Quinn yours. Cleared by doctors, cleared by a coach, cleared by himself, says he can play. Malik Murphy getting his third start, or Arch Manning, seeing him get his first start on the road at TCU. Who would you start if it was your choice, if you were the one making the decision? Who would you start after the game against K-State where Malik Murphy did struggle uh, in the second half and the, the, he just did not look the same guy? His footwork got off. His confidence was gone. He was really missing guys. It could be fixable. He looked really good in the first half. Looked really, really good and you know was doing big things early on. So we, we'd see which one you want to see. But send that in, 512-447-3776. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL in the 6 o'clock, so if you got anything for that as well, uh, Longhorn basketball, Longhorn football, keep those texts coming. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we try to keep up with the texts. We try and keep up with you all show long. Uh, we get a text that says, kick the FGs, kick the field goals, word I can't say. But I agree. I'm I'm a proponent of this this going for it on fourth down, the aggressive. I'm, I'm for it if it works. It has not worked. You've, you're beating the head against the wall at this point. Step away from it for at least two games. Maybe if you want to go back to it against Tech and you're up against Tech and you think you can do it, I, I, I'm fine with you trying it again before the Big 12 championship. But two games, let's not go for it on fourth and, you know, when we couldn't get it in before. When it when we're clearly not, you know, d- just stop. Just stop. Just field goals. Let's just kick some field goals. We'll be fine with it. Also, say I like yours get more healthy. Need, uh, need them good for the Big 12 championship. I think that's kind of the main thought process is how healthy is he when he if he is cleared. I don't think they're going to try and bring him back this week, uh, but it would not surprise me if Sark felt that Malik. It depends on what Sark's vision of Malik is because I don't think he wants to go to Arch personally. I don't think he wants to. I think he thinks it's Malik or Ewers is who he wants to start. Uh, go with Malik, run the ball. The Horns have some great backs. That's from Coach Rodney from Rosebud Lot. Uh, Oklahoma Grad says, let, get, let Queen get 100% ready for Ohio State. We can't beat TCU with Malik, then we don't deserve to go to the Big 12 championship. Ewers' parents aren't going to let him take the chance of affecting his draft with a worth injury anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't like putting him in there, but I also know how competitive people are. And Quinn, if he's saying, too, doctors clear me, I'm ready to go, I feel fine. It's a lot harder to set him on the bench again, but that may be the decision that needs to be done. Uh, it says start Malik, but willing to sub him out, but be willing to sub him out. I agree with that. I think that's where I'm at with this. Uh, Malik did really well on the opening script. He came out really well. I think that's it. I think you need to somewhat send him a message. Uh, and I know it's only game three and there's a lot said. I would personally think you might need to send him a message that is it's not his job to keep if he is going to get into hero mode and not play and not have any footwork and throw off his back foot and, and just – and not listen to what he's supposed to be doing and get away from what he's been coached to do and play like a really good high school athlete because that's what he looked like in the second half, a really good high school athlete, not a college athlete. And that's the problem is he looked like a guy who was ready to go to college, but he just didn't look like that guy in the second half. He looks like a guy, you know, it just it didn't look like it to me because he was trying to make too many plays where he didn't have any real form that you know you need to have. He was footwork is bad. He wasn't he wasn't necessarily stepping up in the pocket at the right times. 
He can't really run. He's not a runner either, so he's not taking off. And then when he does move, he just moves two steps and then throws off his back foot, which is just a recipe for disaster. Throws across the body. This is the second or third throw across his body that I've seen him make that is just always terrifying, and two of them have been picks. Uh, Malik was good on play action because of the successful running game. Sark has no feel for the game. He thinks his QB. He thinks he's QBing still. And dang, PD, we almost lost. I have to overcome my blood pressure medicine. <laughs> Overdose my blood pressure medicine that afternoon. Uh, yeah, I, Tan, I agree. With, I, I, I think there is a part where Sark loses a feel for the game. And I think, unfortunately, he loses a feel for the game when they're up. So when they're doing well and he's got everything going his way, he just, he never, it's got a tinker. He's got a tinker. And like the analogy I'll give is, you know, I, re- I used to work with bands and running sound and, and there are certain people who run sound and they'll mess with it the whole show. The whole show, they keep walking around, they keep messing with little things. And they never, it's never perp, it's never good because it's just constantly changing and constantly being adjusted. And okay, now the singer's too low. And now the singer, and it's distracting to a point because they're constantly trying to make sure, oh, is he going to, is this a solo? We got to push. Sometimes you just need to set it and let it go. And if you're up and you're feeling good, you need to go with it and just keep going and just say, all gas, no brakes. Let's go and let's put up 70 on him. But instead, he kind of pulls back and then he, he sits in the middle and then they have a mistake and now he's caught off guard because he was fine winning 40 to 40 to 10, but now they're down. It, it, it's just the feel for the game. I think he can he has a feel before the game. That's what's so weird. He has a feel before the game. We got to take a break. We come back. More of your text. 512-447-3776. Uh, we'll be talking some NFL as well. So if you got any takes on that, send that in as well. Right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com.